Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the indescribable Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. Two games under our belts, my friend. Uh, We have two summer league games that are in the books. And, uh, hey, I think we can say safely, the Pelicans beat the Warriors in summer league, going to win a championship, right? Oh, I... I'm not sure if I'd go that far. I love your confidence, but um, basically the Pelicans would need to win their next two games and probably by a big margin to qualify for the semifinals. They're allowing the top four teams in out of the 30 that are playing there. So um, I like your positivity, but I'm not sure if I can go that far. So yeah, I'm just, you know, facts are tricky things and I'm just here for enthusiasm. (laughs) Uh, You know, it it seems like there's a lot of new things going on in the summer league. The fan reactions uh, have been decidedly mixed. I like that. They're actually trying new things, uh, trying to tinker with format, trying to make people more interested in the summer league Mm -hmm. uh, sort of rule changes. The speed of the games has been different, but uh, not everyone seems to be on board, Jim. Yeah, we haven't seen the flopping thing, I don't think, enforced very much. Yeah. I, I was curious when they brought up this idea and introduced it, that whether you were going to see the referees that are actually on site be able to do that. It's it's difficult because I feel like most of the time when we do see a, a play where we watch and say, hey, I think that was a flop, we have to go back and watch the replay. So I don't know how the referees that are, you know, already in charge with officiating the game and trying to figure out everything that's going on, also going to be responsible for determining whether something was a flop or not. Yeah, it's so, difficult to uh, to referee intent, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things that they're already looking for that I, I could see I can see the flopping thing, and I think the vast majority of people are in favor of, like, let's do something about yeah. this flopping stuff. Um, but I could see it more a, of, a, of a thing that you look at on replay – either after the game or even the next day where you go back and, I mean, teams maybe submit or someone submits like, okay, here's a few things that the league needs to look at as far as blatant flopping stuff that happened. But obviously with what they introduced with this rule, it's supposed to be that you get a technical foul in game. It just, 
it sounds great, but I just wonder in practice how difficult it's going to be for the referees that are the three people that are there trying yeah. to f- determine on the spot, like, oh, yeah, that definitely was a flop. Well, how quickly and how often are they going to go to monitors? Is that sort of stuff going to be ready to roll? Can they just mm-hmm. go courtside, uh, yeah. decide at you know at that moment? I think there's still going to be some, some wrinkles to be ironed out. And I think people in general, I think, are totally in favor with let's come up with the harshest penalty possible that we can but I mean to me I guess I'll speak for myself I would love to see technical fouls thrown out left and right for for this but I also realistically understand that maybe ultimately the way that this is administered is kind of like I said the next day this player gets a fine sparingly just to not mess with the pace of the game right right it might it might be the kind of thing where that's the best way to handle it and maybe you come up with a system that's similar to the way the technical fouls is now where if you get 16 of them, you get suspended a game. So if you get five flopping fouls or in, infractions, then you have to sit out a game, something like that. Right. I think whatever they come up with, it to me, it doesn't have to be on the spot, even though that's ideal. Whatever they come up with, as long as it's there's a way to harshly penalize it, I feel like we can gradually get rid of some of the stuff that drives people crazy as far as the flopping yeah. goes. Uh, even if it's retroactive, at least to be sure. like, we see what you're doing, and to have it enforced, I exactly. think, will, will be nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, the, the Pelicans did have some individual standouts in that Warriors game. Uh, you saw Dyson Daniels almost dropped a triple-double on Golden State. Uh, he's tied for third in steals in the entire summer league right now. Uh, so, you know, it, it seems like his game is expanding. Obviously, he looks a little different. Uh, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he brings going forward. Yeah, I think with a lot of players, I mean, we'll start with him. The role that they play in summer league is just different from what they're going to do yeah. when they're playing with the main team. But I think one of the things that's great, and this definitely applies to him as well as a few other guys, is the Pelicans are basically asking him to be as aggressive as possible on offense. This is not what he's going to do during the season. I mean, he's taken 32 shots in the first right. two summer league and games. he's known more for his defense. Right, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not going to average 16 shots a game when yeah. he's out there with Brandon Ingram and Zion and, and McCollum and all the guys that this team has. But just to, for him to get the experience of just being aggressive, and it's about developing the mindset more of, okay, if I'm open, I'm going to shoot. Right. And then in this case, it's even more um, – Maybe I'm not totally open and I'm still going to be aggressive just to try to expand some of your offensive game and just to try to explore some different skills and some different things that he's worked on. I think he's done a good job with that so far. Um, we've seen the defense, though, which is no surprise. I mean, he he did a lot of great stuff during the real season, and he's brought that to the table again. Like you mentioned, the steals. It seems like he's just been all over the place, yeah. and he's a step ahead of a lot of these opposing offenses in terms of – he. Are always he kind of anticipates where the ball's going to be, and that's I think part of how he ends up with some of these steals. He's a smart player, and that, and that's mm-hmm. what you want to see is sort of the rounding out of his skill set. If they can build that muscle and make him take the shot more automatically instead of overthinking it, trying to find the right position, I think that'll be good for him. It's not an ugly shot. It's not like it, his shot is broken or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. the focus seems to be different. And if they can work on that, sort of make him a little more well-rounded, it could bring something to this team, at least you know in terms of spacing. Yeah, and I think he knows. I mean, a lot of player, a lot of the guards know this too. That there's going to be situations during the season where, especially on this roster, where the opposing team is throwing everyone at the uh, top scorers. So he's going to have some open threes and some spot up attempts. Um, two for fourteen so far in in three point shooting, which obviously is not great. 
Um, but it's just something that he's going to have to keep working on, and it's something that's going to be important for him to be able to just knock down those opportunities because we know they're going to come during yeah. the regular season. Yeah, especially with the gravity that Zion, Brandon Ingram, those regular players that when they're on the court are going to draw a lot of attention. Another guy we haven't seen a lot of, but uh, but it seemed to show out, Darian Sebron, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Good night from him. Yeah, he was really good against Golden State, and I mean, if people have kind of only slightly paid attention to so far to Summer League or casually, I think Darion's first two games is kind of a symbol of the way that the team's played overall. Um, in the first game against Minnesota, he was 1-for-6 from the field and had seven turnovers. In the game against Golden State, he was 8-for-11 from the field and only had two turnovers, so just a lot better performance by him. Yeah, nice rebound. And the the. The turner the turnovers for the team went from thirty one to fifteen, so they they cut that in half from the Timberwolves game to the Warriors game. So, yeah, he was a lot better. Um, there was just a lot of uncharacteristic stuff from him and a lot of the players in the Minnesota game. Like I said, the the turnovers was just staggering to have that many in forty minutes. But um, credit to him and and a lot of the players that they just played a lot cleaner game against Golden State. I think some of this, too, is you, you expect to some extent that there's going to be some sloppy play in Summer League just based on the fact that a lot of these guys have never played together before right. and are totally unfamiliar. So it was good to see them at least take a, a step, a big step forward in the second game compared to the first. Well, and the Summer League pace, we've talked about it, is fast. And it, mm-hmm. and it seems like that might be an adjustment. These guys are, for one, trying to show out so they can get minutes and show their skill set, but also in a new format, different pace, uh, different environment. It, it seems like it might be a tough adjustment. So uh, game to game, at least to see some improvement, seems to be encouraging. Yeah, it's funny because I think a lot of players that go from college to the NBA and even at the summer league level do take note of like, man, the game is so much faster. I think part of it is the shot clock. But a lot of summer league is a little bit more plotting than the way New Orleans plays. For whatever reason, I mean, this has been different. They've had different head coaches over the last bunch of years. They've had different head coaches even in summer league right. over the years. But the one thing that seems to be a common trend is that they do play super fast. So like you said, that is a that is a pretty big adjustment, especially for I think some of the big guys who maybe come out of college or they come from Europe and they're used to a system where maybe the ball, the offenses run through the big guys more and maybe the power forwards. Right. And it's slower, it's more methodical, but yeah, the Pelicans, the summer Pelicans at least play very up and down, and they definitely push the ball. And so you got a lot of guards. You got to figure out who's going to be, you know, uh, the captain of the ship essentially sure. when they're when yeah, they're that's going down part the court. Of it. That's part uh, of it. It's sure. got a lot of eyes to to you know a lot of people to get eyes on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it seems like. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, he, he showed out a little bit, 16 points, five assists, two steals. I know he was one of the guys you wanted to keep an eye on. Uh, and obviously a lot of Pelicans fans want to keep an eye on the newest addition to the team, a floor spacer, uh, bring something we desperately need. And, uh, it looks like his confidence is still, is, is great. Yeah. I mean, I think Dyson Daniels is definitely near the top of the list of stories so far from the first two games. Right. But I mean, you could argue that Jordan Hawkins is the most significant because, you know, everyone wanted to see what his adjustment was going to be from college to the NBA. And so far, I think there's a lot of good signs in terms of his potential ability to get playing time and make a contribution next season. Um, despite the fact that he really hasn't shot that well, I mean, especially by his standards, yeah. he's four for 16 through two games from three point range. And even more shockingly, he's two for eight on free throws, which is just bizarre. Right. Because he shot 88% 
from the free throw line in his two seasons. He's got to be four or out to feel comfortable. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe. I mean, he had no problem with it during the two years that he played for UConn, including their national championship year. Um, And he hasn't made threes. He's had a bunch of shots rattle in and out. But um, I I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from watching these two games is his versatility on offense. It's not that he's, it's not like he's only relying on three point shots. And obviously he's had two double figure games in a row even though he's only made four out of 16 threes, like I said. So obviously he's doing others and he's not adding to his scoring from the free throw line either. So he's doing a lot of other stuff. He's had some really nice reverse layups. He's done a bunch of stuff off the dribble. Um, He's not just a spot up shooter where he's going to just stand out there and do nothing else. Like some of the guys in the NBA, you you look at them as just specialists. They're easy to predict. They're easy to defend. It makes Jordan Mm -hmm. a little uh, harder to get a man on. And, and you know what I love about him is he's very mature. He's very smart. He's another cerebral player. The Pelicans seem to value that. And he, he does, his confidence doesn't seem to get shaken uh, when he is on in those droughts. And, and to be able to play ugly and still fill up the scoreboard, it's nice to see. And after the first game, uh, I think it was Will Guillory mentioned to Jordan Hawkins out there in Vegas that, you know, a lot of rookies, new players are hesitant because they're kind of they have to kind of feel their way through things. They don't want to step on too many toes and, you know, just fire up a bunch of shots. And he was like, you know, you don't seem to have a problem with that at all. And Jordan said this, re- responded basically like, no, I'm I, I'm not going to hesitate at all. I understand that the reason they drafted me 14 was because they know I'm an elite shooter. So right. he had no problem whatsoever going out there and, and confidently shooting as much as he could. Um, but like you said, um, he did other he did other stuff to contribute and that was one thing that uh, Casey Hill talked about after the win against Golden State. Just some of the other ways that Jordan was able to to make a difference on the court. It's good. I thought I thought it was good. You know, obviously the ball didn't fall quite as much as we would have liked, but I thought he showed his pace. You know, he showed that he's not just a shooter. He can get downhill. He had a couple of nice finishes. Um, you know, and then once that three point shot starts to fall a little bit more consistently and the free throw, <laughs> um, he's gonna be fine. I thought he was good. You know, it, was a, it was a good getting your feet wet type of game for him. He had a couple open looks. You know, from an execution perspective, we could, we could be a little bit better. I know, like, there are a lot of illegal screens called just on the actions we were trying to run for him. Right. You know, and uh, that's frustrating for him. And we'll clean that up. We'll get better at that. But I thought from an execution standpoint, getting the shots was the first step. So that was Casey Hill talking about some of the adjustments that Jordan Hawkins has had to make, including, you know, he mentioned the physicality is definitely at a little bit higher level. Obviously, you have bigger players in the NBA compared to college. You have more athleticism and that kind of thing. So um, it's going to take a second for a lot of new players to get used to that. But I don't think he's really had much of an issue whatsoever, you know, looking like he belongs. He definitely seems like a guy in summer league that can average, you know, 20 a game, 25 a game if he gets hot. He probably would have already done that if he wasn't, you know, just uncharacteristically struggling to make threes and free throws so far. So, yeah, he's going through the process of getting acclimated, but um, I think it's been the vast majority of what he's shown on the court has been a positive sign. And I think a lot of his confidence will come from the patience that the coaches are giving him. You know, they, they understand that he's going to have the yips every now and then. He's not going to come out firing on all cylinders all the time. And for them to see sort of the other contributions he's making, recognize that, easing him in, uh, it seems like it'll be good for his confidence. But it's not a thing that he lacks in, uh, as we've talked about. Uh, he's, a, he's a mature guy, and it seems like he understands his strengths and weaknesses. 
And uh, Casey Hill was talking about other players, you know, and, and one of the guys we've obviously talked about on here, Dyson Daniels. Again, we know that he's going to contribute on defense. We know he's bulked up, and uh, they want him to sort of open up his arsenal. They want to see him as also, also an offensive threat, and uh, it seems like Casey Hill's given him that leverage as well. Yeah, I think confidence is a good way to describe it as far as what the coaching staff is trying to instill in Dyson to not worry about it. If You know, if you miss – Five, six shots in a row from three, just take another one. It doesn't right. matter, especially in summer league. It's just about getting those reps up and just getting the experience. So that's something that Casey Hill talks about here in terms of what the message is for Dyson and also just the the importance of these games right now in Las Vegas for him. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. There were some things, obviously, he needs to continue to get better at, but I thought from a you know, thrust standpoint, you know, he was vocal, he was talkative, um, and that stuff is what we're looking for. You know, it's still not what we want it to be, but we saw some progress tonight, which I liked, uh, and we'll continue to work on that. Again, it, it's it's interesting to see uh, sort of the leverage and, and, and the, the, the rope that they allow some of these players to work on their specific skill sets in summer league and uh, that's why this is fun. I, I, I like the, the, the pace. I like uh, the, the coach's mentality when it comes to letting these players play. And, uh, you know, across the league, I think you're going to see a lot of adjustment. Wimby didn't have a great first game, for example. Mm-hmm. You're going to see him, you yeah. know, sort of ease into the, uh, the speed and the pace of American basketball. You're going to see a lot of players sort of figuring out their strengths and weaknesses in this way. And uh, it's, it's sort of a trial by fire with the pace of this. Yeah, and I think one of the things that the Pelicans in particular have to adjust to as well on the defensive end is just being a little quicker to the ball. And they've given up so, they've take, given up so many free throws in these first couple games. I feel like 
we've had a marathon performance both times that they've been on the floor. I mean, you, you look at summer league and you say, one of the things that's nice about it is it's 40 minutes instead of the 48 that you play in a normal yes. NBA game. So you figure like, Oh, these games are going to be over an hour and 45 minutes. No, definitely not even going to top two hours, but so far we haven't been very fortunate on that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that just goes to that. There's been just a million free throws taken. So that's one thing that they're going to have to improve upon um, besides cutting down the turnovers is just not fouling so much. And I guess one thing that's fortunate is you are allowed 10 fouls per player. So you don't foul out until you get your 10th foul. So that that's helpful, but you, you still don't really want to pick up, say, six fouls in 20 minutes the right. way it has yeah. happened to a couple guys already so far. Yeah, and uh, that almost broke my mind when they were calling everything and the time difference between Las Vegas and here. Uh, we've been up late uh, sort of dealing with these fouls. And if they are going to foul constantly, you know, maybe try uh, not blowing the whistle. Let them play. I'm just saying. Some of us got to go to sleep. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's it's interesting as, as high energy and, and uh, fast pace as it's supposed to be. Uh, it seems like the fouls have really put a damper on the uh, on the pace of the games here. Yeah, and I think some of that is um, just being a little bit, being kind of a step behind defensively, just not being ready. Um, we, it seemed like last night the game against Golden State was kind of like a charge competition too. Like, <laughs> yes. who can draw the most charges? <laughs> yeah. Who can who can stand underneath the basket? And I, I'm not one of these people that is behind the recent push to say like let's eliminate the charges because I feel like. Um, the offensive players will be totally out of control if you tell them that they yeah. can't be called for a charging foul. That's a whole other rant for a different day. <laughs> right. But um, but not either way. I mean, it was just it was kind of a lot of ugly basketball last night where there would be offensive players that were out of control, and as more guys drove the ball without a total idea of where they were going, it seemed like both teams knew okay we have a better chance to draw charges. So it kind of snowballed on itself, and then all of a sudden you have what looks like kind of a rugby match in the, yes. in the paint. So I think that was a big part of it too, was how there were so many fouls last night. Called. And some of those charges, it seemed like their feet weren't quite set. I don't know. It yeah. just seemed like they were a little crazy mm-hmm. uh, with, with the charging. And, uh, you know, as we go forward, you, you got to talk about uh, Brandon Ingram playing uh, USA basketball right now. He's getting his own sort of a summer league, I guess you could say. He's getting his own reps there. How important do you think that's going to be going forward? Yeah, I think it's going to help him. And there was one thing that David Griffin said in Friday's streaming broadcast with Gus and Aaron out there in Las Vegas was that he thinks it's going to help him as far as catapulting him and springboarding him into the regular season. Um, the FIBA World Cup is at the end of August and the beginning of September. So by the time that's completed, there's really only a few weeks before Pelicans yeah. training camp and the NBA gets going. So that was one thing that I thought was interesting that 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 Griff said was just, you know, this is helpful for Ingram to be in basketball shape and to, to hit the ground running when, uh, when we get started for real. Um, it was funny, by the way, random note, last night, Jose Alvarado was interviewed during the broadcast on ESPN two. And he was talking about how they asked him like, you know, when are we going to see you on the court again next? And he said, he had it down to the date. He said, August 7th, Puerto Rico versus USA. (laughs) I can't wait to go up against Brandon Ingram. Yep. And apparently Brandon Ingram FaceTimed Jose and told him like, every chance I get, I'm going to go one-on-one against you and take you to the basket. So Little height differential there. Yeah, that's probably not the best matchup, the most ideal matchup, but um, I don't I don't put it past Jose, though, to take up, to be up for the challenge. And, and he's he's going to go after him. So 
August 7th, I, I guess I hadn't really, I wasn't really aware of that until Jose mentioned it yesterday, right. that that's a game I guess we should circle on our calendars. It's going to be interesting to see. You got two fearless dudes, Brandon Ingram, not scared of nobody. And, uh, you know, Jose Alvarado has proven he ain't scared of nobody either. So that's going to be fun. And I think a little uh, friendly competition but competition between teammates can, can translate uh, to the court in regular season. Another guy that I think we got to keep an eye on, Cody Zeller. Uh, gonna gonna have some eyes on him. He's a new addition to the team. What are you sort of looking out for from him? Yeah, the Pelicans have not made a bunch of moves the way some of the teams across the league have, where they've had to kind of shuffle their roster. Yeah, pricey to make those moves, right? Phoenix is an example of a team that's added about six or seven guys, but almost all of them are on minimum contracts, other than Bradley Beal. For Cody Zeller, I think he just provides more depth at center. Um, he's a big time experienced in the NBA. He played in the NBA Finals in spurts for Miami this year against Denver, scored a couple baskets in the one game that they did win, game two against the Nuggets, and matched up against Nikola Jokic and did pretty decently in that in that matchup. It's a hard assignment. But um, it'll be he, – he, he and Larry Nance Jr. will be the only two Pelicans that have played in the NBA Finals so far during their career. So, I mean, hopefully sometime in the next couple of years we'll be able to – add that to that list across the roster. Right. But for now, I think, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that was available in free agency that they can bring in and he can be, you know, maybe the third center behind Jonas Valanciunas and, and Larry Nance and uh, just be somebody that they can rely on in spots to, to be able to contribute. And he's a really good screen setter. He's a good rebounder um, scores a little bit. That's not really his forte yeah, at this the point in his career work, though that's what but you yeah want. exactly he's he's a role player that you can trust and uh to be available i mean kind of like not not at all the kind of same type of player but maybe something similar to what billy hernan gomez did as far as in a pinch you need this yeah. guy to play and you can be sure that he's going to be productive and that he's not going to yeah. have an issue with you know the skill set right he hasn't played in a couple of weeks or whatever but he can he can come in and you know he's going to do well and that's something that Griff always seems to value is uh you know in terms of drafting in terms of the players he acquires as a winning mindset but it seems like you know having players that have an identifiable role that helps the other players on your team someone's got to pick up some of those nasty minutes someone physical uh on the floor and uh, that's sort of something we've missed a little bit at the center position sometimes is physicality yeah. uh, and being dependable game in, game out. Uh, hopefully that can add to the rotation a little bit. Yeah, I think he's uh, been known as a guy who's pretty consistent throughout his entire career that you know what he's gonna you're going to get from him. And maybe even more to the point, I think he knows what his strengths are. He's not going to go outside the box as far as yeah. he's not going to go out there and start jacking up three-pointers or – start trying to take people off the dribble. I think he knows what his um, offensive role is, and it's very contained to, you know, playing around the basket. He's got a mid-range shot that he brings out once in a while, but for the most part, he's, you know, just kind of that gritty guy that can can eat up minutes and can contribute in, in, in some different ways and more of what, what you expect from the traditional big guys. Right. So, I mean, look, we, we've, we're getting some eyes on some new people here. Anything else you're looking forward to seeing? Anyone else you're sort of looking to show something as we go forward in this summer league? And uh, it seems like everyone's gonna trying to show out something. Yeah, I think um, EJ Liddell, we're going to continue to monitor his progress um, obviously, he was out for almost a full 365 days between his ACL injury in summer league last year and what he's done so far this year. Um, he's been on a minute restriction and only played about 20 minutes in each of the first two games. One of the things that Casey Hill mentioned that I thought was interesting to 
about EJ is um, the way summer league, the style of play, a lot of times it's not conducive to some of the the big guys, the power forwards or the centers getting the ball. So he hasn't really been heavily involved in the offense so far. I do think that that's something that, that Casey noted that they might try to do more of is try to involve him and making sure that he's getting more touches. But um, the big theme for him is for EJ has just been patience as far as not only the patience that the team has with him as far as him making progress, but Casey talked about, you know, EJ needs to be patient with himself and not realize and, and realize that it's not going to come immediately. It's not going right. to, everything's not going to happen overnight. So um, he's probably one of the other players that we have an eye on. Um, Carlo Makovic is another player that obviously was drafted yeah. by the Pelicans last year in the second round. He He's had, he's had kind of a struggle so far, just the foul trouble stuff that I mentioned. He's had a lot of moving screens yeah. and that's been an issue so far, but he, we're going to hope to see him close out the last few games of summer league strong. And um, we mentioned Darian Sebron just for him to follow up what he did in the second game was, was so much yeah. better than the way he played in the first game. Well, so many of these names that you're mentioning are, are guys that we've known are on the team but haven't really gotten eyes on, haven't really gotten to see most fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they fit in rotationally. Uh, still a lot of uh, narratives that are going to be flushed out in Summer League. It's going to be exciting to see. Yeah, As we've talked about, Summer League has a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of uh, new things thrown in. One of them, is the in-season tournament. And, you know, I, I say that, and I saw your eye twitch. Uh, your, your fists started clenching. Uh, it seems like some people are sort of mixed about the the uh, the tournament aspect of this. But uh, but you, do you have a gym rant maybe brewing inside of you? Uh, yes, I think I might, Joe. Oh! All right, so gird your loins, people. Jim, is uh, he has stood up, he has cracked his back and his knuckles. Well, Joe, I guess I'll start with, you know, I'm a little confused because I feel like we've spent the last few years as a basketball community and a basketball discussion world talking about how the regular season is, is so long and it gets mundane yeah. and nobody talks about, no, you know, people always say that um, people don't really – the casual fan doesn't focus on the NBA until Christmas. A lot yeah. of people don't watch basketball until then because they're preoccupied with football. So what what conf- I'm confused by is, so the NBA comes up with, they've been spending, I'm sure, the last few years trying to think of ideas to, to change that, to, right. to work on that narrative. They come up with it, and a lot of people immediately are just like, this is useless. Yeah. What, what's the point? And the NBA even created a giant hologram of a basketball that makes people weep in terror, and it's still boring somehow <laughs> for some people. I don't know what else you have to do, Jim. Yeah, and and so I guess I don't understand part of the reaction to the the in season tournament. I get I get the notion that like yeah, this isn't going to maybe change everyone's lives, and maybe it's not immediately going to be the greatest thing that's ever been conceived. But I don't think that that was the point of it in the first place. Incentivizing competition, I think, is a part of it. They want to exactly. see, give people a reason to show out in summer league beyond just trying to find a place on the roster. And, and I guess I, I was talking about this with someone the other day. If you think back to the play-in tournament, and be, I'll preface this by saying that I'm not comparing the play-in tournament concept at all to the in-season tournament. Right. I understand the point of the play-in tournament is valuable 
to a large degree because it matters a ton. Right. I mean, you're se- for a lot of teams, the Pelicans is two years in a row where your season was on the line. If yeah. you lose, you're knocked out, which happened against OKC this year. Right. Year before, they won two games, made the playoffs. So the value of that is unmistakable. I'm not comparing it to the, of course. the in-season tournament. There's How- personal value. However, this, yes. however, the one comparison that I will make is that I think when the NBA introduced the play-in tournament, there was also tons of negative initial reaction where people said, like, oh, I don't understand this. What's the point? You mean people grousing about change? No. <laughs> And then when it got implemented, everybody was like, this is amazing. This is the, and I honestly think it's the best idea that the NBA has introduced in the last bunch of years. At least the NBA is trying stuff. So Mm -hmm. many other sports leagues just let it stay pat. And to see the NBA innovating Mm -hmm. uh, should be something to be celebrated. Not everything's going to stick, but at least they're trying stuff. And the play-in tournament to me was implemented to address a specific problem, which was that the end of the regular season was starting to become a little bit of a joke in terms of Mm -hmm. there were too many teams that were out of the race that were treating it like who cares? We we don't, we need to, we we don't mind if we lose a bunch of games, stay healthy. And that was affecting the playoff race because if you were in ninth place and you needed the eighth place team to lose, but they're playing against a team that has a bunch of people that are barely better basketball players than you and me out there, (laughs) right? They're going to lose. And so it was, it was affecting that part of it way too much. I think the play-in tournament has successfully reduced the number of teams that are just wasting everyone's time the last couple weeks of the right. season. Um, there's still teams that are quote unquote tanking and you know not trying. The, but I think a the number of teams is way less. Right. And b the length of the end of the season where this is happening has been greatly reduced. Yeah. We did see Dallas get fined for this, but it was the if you think about it, it was the last two games of the season. That's a big difference than a team saying. The last punting on the last fifteen or twenty. Yeah, you got to be pretty sorry in a pretty sorry state to just punt that deep into the season right. at this point. You right. Know, you you've really got to have uh, something wrong mm-hmm. uh, structurally. You have to be so far behind tenth place yeah. that you have no chance. Yeah. So I say all of that to to say that the the issue that they're trying to address with the in season tournament is how do we get people to pay more attention to November and December? Right. It's not a coincidence that they scheduled. They set up the in-season tournament for the first two months of the season and not for, you know, you could say, like, shouldn't the in-season tournament be in March when everyone has, like, more games under their belt and everyone's maybe more peaking? And it makes sense in terms of that's a point of the season where it would be the most competitive. But, no, it's because it's in November and December because you want to try to gain attention for that part of the regular season. Yeah, We know in New Orleans, as well as a lot of anyone in a city, there aren't that many cities across the N- the NBA where there's only two professional sports teams and the other one is an NFL team. Right. We know that people focus a lot on football of course. in that part of the calendar. So, I mean, to me, that's a, that's a huge part of it um, is just how do you make the beginning part of the season more something that people will be interested in? I understand the people who say like, I still don't, I'm still not really going to care that much because it doesn't matter compared to winning some a championship. Of those people just might never care. doesn't matter what you do. Right. Right. But, um, I, I do think that we are going to see not to the same degree, but I do think we're going to see a lot of people in November and December who are very resistant to this idea or just didn't like it or thought it was yeah. dumb when they see it played out for the first time, they're going to be like, you know what? This was this was better than I thought it was going to be, yeah. or at least say like, well, I didn't, I still didn't really like it, or but I think I'm willing to give it a chance, and I understand the concept more. So, basically, 
to to kind of summarize my take on this is I just I feel like there's two there, you have basically have two options if you have a an issue in a sports league and the issue here is like I said um, you want more people to pay attention at the beginning of an 82 game season you can either a do nothing or b you can try to come up with ideas and you know that there's going to be people that don't like those sure. ideas but I think to some degree you have a responsibility if you're marketing a sports league or you're trying to get more people to pay attention yeah. to try different ideas. And so to, I think to the NBA's credit, I, I, I think I like the concept of that. And um, it kind of just some of the reaction kind of reminds me of the reaction that people have to something that they don't like whatsoever. It's like people complain about the regular season being too long. And it's like, what, I don't understand what you're complaining about. Like right. if you already thought it was too long and didn't, want to be part of it like tweaking it doesn't seem like it's not like you're messing with something sacred to right. people yeah so. I, I mean try something or do nothing seems like an easy uh thing yes. to choose you know yes. if, if it's just do nothing and you're always going to hate it well okay that then you'd complain then too now they're trying something innovating and you're just going to complain anyway maybe you're just going to complain no matter what and i think my last point too is i think some of the back and forth that i've had with people the last few days, whether it's on Twitter or wherever else, not that you don't want to be in nothing's uh, be a bee in nothing's, Jim's bonnet. Nothing's live, risen to the level of like, you know, hatred or, yeah. or animosity, no, yeah. nothing like that. But I mean, and just, you know, people making points back and forth. Um, I think part of it too, what the, what the discrepancy is, is I feel like we have to understand what's a reasonable expectation for this. Yeah. And to use one sports analogy that I thought of is I feel like I'm, I'm disagreeing with people who expect the in-season tournament to be like the ace pitcher (laughs) where I'm expecting it to be like the fifth starter. Like you had a rain out. Okay. Now you need another guy to to fill in your rotation. Right. And that's what it is. It's a way to kind of augment what you already have. It's not strengthen your depth. Basically. It's not going instead of finding a new star. It's not going to revolutionize the regular season. It's especially not right away. And and maybe not ever, but I think that's part of it is I feel like there's a, there's a big gap between what some people think it's supposed to be or maybe what it's supposed to achieve and what I think it is. I, I don't see it as like, and I don't think the NBA does either. If you listen to Adam silver or anyone else speak about this, they don't think it's going to be this huge game changing thing, but it's just a little wrinkle, a little sprinkle of, of competitiveness. Like you say something to, to uh, make, I don't think there's been many times in the years I've been here or you've been here where a Tuesday game in November was something that you remember years later. <laughs> yes. So again, I don't think we're tampering with something that's that's just beloved and, yeah. and something that can't be messed with. So the fact that they're putting these games on Tuesdays and Fridays in November and then I think early December, um, why not? Yeah, I think some people are just expecting some strange panacea to everything they don't like about basketball. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen. Right. Uh, I, I just love to see innovation in a sports league. Uh, there are too many sports leagues where that they they're just standing pat. There, there's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of innovation. I'm proud to be part of one that they're at least trying things and seeing what the fan input might be. Some of those people are just never going to have anything constructive to say. But if you see the the players adjusting, the coaches adjusting, the, the way the games are called starting to be adjusted mm-hmm. by these little tweaks, and that can carry over into the regular season. I think in a few months you'll see people going, "Oh, I'm glad they did that." Yeah, some of those same people. Yeah, I think we've changed some minds here today, Joe. I think we. I think so. I think the if you if you poll people after they listen to this show, I think maybe we've 
push the meter a little bit in the direction maybe of the in-season tournament. I think we'll a Jim rant will always scare people into changing their minds. You know, you never <laughs> want to mess with Jim, uh, but that's what we're doing here. We, we, we'll bully you into compliance uh, because Jim is always correct. Uh, Jim, you know, there's there's so much to look forward to. I continue uh, to look forward to some of these players showing out, some of the team chemistry uh, sort of coming together, and uh, Summer League will roll on, my friend. Yes, indeed. Uh, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock against Phoenix. We will have another streaming broadcast on Pelicans.com mm-hmm. and the Pelicans app. I believe that game is on ESPN, too. I'll have to double-check that. And then the game Thursday is at 6.30 against Charlotte. Same details as far as our broadcast. Right. And then we'll have to find out. They're definitely guaranteed to play a fifth game, but we'll have to wait to TBD. get the details on that. Yeah. I think probably we probably won't know until Thursday or Friday in terms of when the fifth game is. Um, obviously, I mentioned earlier that the only way that they can qualify for the semis and be in that top four, I think, is if they finish 3-1. and one. They're going to need to win against the Suns and the Hornets in these last two games and then get an infinite infinite amount of luck in terms of the tiebreakers right. and the point differentials and all Covered kinds of other stuff. Covered in feet right now. It's my yes. whole belt today, so uh, let's yep. hope that does it. Uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. I like the format tinkering. I like the incentives, and uh, hopefully we'll see some good basketball coming up, Jim. So tune in on Friday. We will have another little wrap-up for you, more info your way, and uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this shakes out. Thanks, as always, to Mr. Jim Eichenhofer, the man with all the info. Thank you uh, for listening to the Pelicans podcast. Continue to do so. Tell your friends and pals, even strangers at the bus stop, if you feel like it. Uh, we will talk to you once again on Friday. And until then, go Pels! Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.